This is Rebecca Pruitt. Welcome to my Prone to Wander podcast. I'd originally planned to do a more lighthearted topic, but it turns out that that's not at all what's on my heart today. So be forewarned, the topic that I'm going to address is a heavy one, it's a sad one, but it's a really important one for all of society, but especially the church to address. I'd like to start out with two very familiar scripture passages. 1 Peter 3, verse 7, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Ephesians 5, 25, and some of the verses following say, Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Now, as wives, we know that our husbands are not Christ and they can neither save nor sanctify us. But a godly husband knows that he is to love us with the same sacrificial love that Christ models and shows towards the church. In light of these scripture passages, what is the church supposed to do when there are men within the church members of the church who not only fail to love their wives as they are told to, who not only fail to live in an understanding, compassionate way with their, lo- with their wives, but they actually hate their wives. Her name was Liuba Savanak, and she was only 23 years old. She was already a mother of two young children, in addition to the child she had been carrying in her womb for 26 weeks. Then she was brutally murdered in her own home, stabbed 12 times, according to reports. It was not some random stranger. It was her own husband. He has confessed to the crime. The child she was carrying, a son, was delivered by Caesarean section in a desperate attempt to save his life. He lived only moments. 
Often the question that is asked in times like this, especially as more details come out and we discover that her husband had been brutalizing her for quite some time, there was even a protective order against him. The question we often ask is, well, why did she stay with him? That's not the right question. But I'll give you one answer to that question, one possible answer, one common answer, by asking you a question to think about. Would you allow your child to visit a violent, cruel man, unsupervised and unprotected? Because unfortunately, that's the option that too many young mothers are facing. All too often, our legal system places a higher priority on fathers' rights than on the safety and well-being of children. Often mothers have no choice but to sacrifice their own safety and well-being in a desperate attempt to try to keep their children safe. No mother should have to make that kind of a decision. But as I said earlier, asking why did she stay is really the wrong question. The question that we need to ask is, why did this man, a professing Christian, a member of the church, a graduate of a Christian university, why did this man continue to abuse and brutalize his own wife? Why would anyone be so cruel? Why would a Christian man, a man who claims to be a Christian, why would he murder his own wife, stabbing her 12 times? Oh, he had a reason. The reason that he gave the police is that he was afraid she would take their children away from him. He felt he had no choice but to kill her brutally. In addition to asking the question of why can some men be so terribly cruel and murderous towards their own wives, the other question we need to ask is where was the church? Now, I don't want to point fingers at her particular church or her particular pastor because I don't know how he responded when she sought out help from him. I really don't know. But what I do know is the end result, they did nothing effective to protect her. And that is the case of the church, the community, the extended family, and the legal system. They did not succeed in protecting her from this man. We often ask why the wife didn't leave, but we don't ask why was the abusive husband not removed from the home? There were warnings. People are saying that they're shocked. Yet the murderer's own father is quoted as saying that he feared that his son would commit this very murder. And there is a history of violence. So this attack did not come without warning. So I don't say this to analyze this situation there are those with expertise in this field, in the field of domestic violence, and, and particularly how the church is affected and how the church 
all too often fails women in distress. So I'm not really going to speak on that. My, my heart is to say we need to ask ourselves some difficult questions. The ones that I already said, but then there's some additional ones that I've been asking myself. I've been reading through the major and minor prophets. They inspire many of my prayers of late. And, and they've really helped me to see God's view of justice, to get a better understanding of it. And when God talks about justice, so much of the time when he spoke about it through the prophets, he's talking about having compassion and, and ending oppression against what we now call the disenfranchised, women and children and, and the oppressed and the sojourner and the homeless and you know, the poor and the hungry and the needy and the brokenhearted, the oppressed. In short, those who are not powerful enough to protect themselves against greedy, abusive oppressors. And so I have to look at things differently than I have been in the past if I really want to have the heart of God. And that's why I've been praying through a lot of what I've been reading and really pondering it. And I'd encourage people to do that. So my encouragement is, and my question is, are we praying enough or are we being dismissive of those who are suffering? Are we minimizing what's happening? Are we doing the equivalent of telling people, be warmed and be fed, I'll pray for you? As the church, if we're really gonna be functioning as the body of Christ should be, that means we need to be his hands and feet and his mouthpiece. And he came to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. That's all kinds of captives. That includes women who are being held captive by abusive husbands, by circumstances where they do not feel free to leave. And often it's when they try to leave that they are killed. Liuba's husband admitted that he murdered her because she was going to take the children. We need to ask ourselves, is the church a safe place for those who are being abused and mistreated? And the sad thing is I've heard many testimonies from people that I know that the church was not a safe place for them. That needs to change. And I know that there are churches that are safe places. I could tell you about this one church. I've never visited there, but I know about it. And I've heard it described to me that they have such a powerful and effective ministry towards victims of domestic violence. They have actually invested in a state-of-the-art alarm system and security system so the women who are seeking shelter in their church, who literally run into the church doors, fleeing their abusers and attackers, will be safe. It's incredible. Not all of us have the resources to provide that in our own churches, but we need to gather together. The churches in a community need to pool their resources and become safe havens for the oppressed, for the mistreated, because that's what the body of Christ should be. So that's something we need to think about and pray about. We need to ask ourselves, am I a safe person 
because the church will only be a safe place if it is filled with safe people. Do I look the other way? Do I make light of things? Do I blame the victim? Do I minimize? Do I deny? Or do I weep with those who weep? Do I express the compassionate heart of God? And do I live that out in my day-to-day life? Those are hard questions for me to ask myself because I fall short. And so I'm asking them here to challenge other people. This was a difficult topic. It was a painful topic. And I'll be honest, I've recorded this a whole bunch of different times and I haven't liked any of my recordings because I either got overly emotional or in an attempt not to, I got overly detached. I just want to encourage you to pray, to pray for Liuba's young children left without a mother. I would also encourage you to pray for the church in America, that we would have the wisdom to know how to deal with men who hate their wives. For more information on this tragic case, you can Google Liuba Savanak. Her name is spelled L-Y-U-B-A. Savanak is S-A-V-E-N-O-K. There is a fund set up for her funeral expenses and for the care of her children. And that can be found at GoFundMe.com slash Liuba Savanak. Please pray for her. Pray for her young children. I just cannot imagine what their future will be like in the aftermath of this terrible tragedy. And so pray for them. And I would also encourage listeners, take these things to heart. And whenever something like this happens, we need to pray and purpose that we will not stand by and that we will seek God's wisdom in what we can do so that this kind of thing just does not happen in the church. It should not happen. It just shouldn't. Thank you for listening to the Prone to Wander podcast. If you're interested in reading my blog, it can be found at RebeccaPruitt.com R-E-B-E-C-C-A P-R-E-W-E-T-T. I can also be found on Twitter. If you are a follower of Jesus, let me encourage you along with myself to be his hands and feet this week and his heart of compassion. Again, thanks for listening. God bless you.